is Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're on episode 63 of Fried Squirms. I'm so happy we're here to talk to you about horror movies. Oh, yes. What a glorious day to talk about horror films. This week's going to be Dog Soldiers, but before we get into that, there was a couple of news items from the week. Okay. Divulge us. Well, it turns out that we're going to be getting a new Leprechaun movie. Interesting. Thanks to the Sci-Fi Channel. And I don't believe it's starring uh, Warwick, Warwick Davis. Davis. No. Yeah, that sucks. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Now, keep in mind, it is Sci-Fi Channel, so don't have too high of expectations. Right. Although, it kind of sounds like it's going to be terrible. So one of the writers from Ash vs. Evil Dead is the one scripting it. Okay. And it's the director of The Void. That'd be interesting. Yeah, if, if you put some of that bent that he used in The Void into Leprechaun, it could be interesting. I'm not going to rush to watch it, but I thought it was I thought it was super interesting that neat, we're getting yeah. a new fucking Leprechaun movie. If nothing else, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. This one I just wanted to bring up because it can only go up in my opinion. There's going to be a Grudge reboot. It just got its cast. We hadn't mentioned the fact that there's going to be a Grudge reboot before. I had before. no idea there was going to be one. Yeah. I kind of wanted to bring that up because it almost ties into the show's history. In a weird, weird, way, way, way back way. The Grudge was the first movie I ever hated so much that I went online and bitched about it. Wow. That is pretty monumental, (laughs) man. That's awesome. And now what I do every week is go online and talk about movies. Precisely. That is a very unique way, 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 way back tie-in to the show. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, the news is that it found its cast, and I honestly haven't even looked who's going to be in it. Somebody from Hateful Eight, somebody from Oblivion, blah, 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 blah. The fact is, there's going to be a new grudge, and in my opinion, there's nowhere to go but up. I fucking hated that movie. (laughs) Well, here's the hoping that they do much better. But no, outside of that, the only bit of news that I'll divulge into, this goes into more or less film collecting, but... For those who do like to collect horror films, currently Unearthed Films has a half-off sale for their DVDs and Blu-rays, which I highly recommend, if nothing else, looking into some of those. It's another form of independent horror, and known for its content and for its gore. For people who are gorehounds, this is a perfect distributor to look into. Yeah, that's about it. I've been looking at a few of their films, and I might get some. <laughs> I like Unearthed Films. All right, I had two other pieces. Well... One of it's news, and one of them's just sort of an interesting article I, I ran across right before the show started. Netflix study reveals the top ten films, obviously available on Netflix, because that's you know where they're getting the data from, and available on Netflix whenever they conducted the study. I don't know if these are still available on Netflix. They didn't ask me. That people have trouble finishing. Oh, interesting. The PR forum Edelman... If I can put the numbers together, I think this originally ran over at Bloody Disgusting. Okay. But I just found a list on comicbook.com. That's okay. Just to give people some credit. These are the 10 films that were most often turned off after at least 70% of the film had been watched. And this is on Netflix. On Netflix. Okay. Which they're arguing means that people are unable to finish it once you've watched that I much mean, that's a good chunk to get it. into it, yeah, and then just leave off. I mean, obviously some of them could still be shit, you know, fucking my kid just cut his hand, so of course I'm going to turn the movie off and run under the fucking emergency. Life happens while you're watching films, it does. But, like they said, they're thinking this is a good enough chunk into it that you could argue 
that it's because of the movie, not necessarily because of circumstance. Okay, here we go. Ten movies. Here's the complete list. Cabin Fever. Okay. Carnage Park. Don't know anything about it. Don't know Carnage Park. Mexico Barbaro. Mm, I can see why people could tune out of that. Piranha. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Here's some we know. Okay. Raw. Yeah, I can definitely see people tuning out. If you're not familiar or comfortable with that subject matter. We haven't covered it on the show, but I know that we're, we both know the movie. Teeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. At one point, I had a copy of it. I might still, but I'll look for it. The Conjuring. Okay, I can see that. <laughs> Human Centipede 2. Uh, <laughs> that should be almost a given. I'm surprised people tune in 70% of it. That's pretty brutal film. Yeah. The Void. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I keep meaning to, but I know that you're kind of I'm back and forth about on it. it. Yeah. But I've always heard some pretty good things. and it's not I know it's watch. supposed to be pretty Lovecraftian in a way. It certainly is. So. That's a, I won't say too much outside of that, but it is. And Jerusalem. I know Drew's a little bit about it yeah. with a Z. I, yeah, with a Z. Yeah. I've heard some good things about it, but I haven't watched it I yet. Haven't, yeah, I haven't seen it either. That's know. an interesting list. I mean, if they're still currently on there, I might sneak peek a few of them. Yeah, I might Carnage too Park. I don't know. I don't know. That one sounds... We'll see. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, it's kind of hazy reasoning how they put this list together, but I can understand their thoughts behind it. Fucking 70% in and then you turn it off, you could make good arguments that it's because of the movie. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And the other reasoning could be, you know, life events. I got to take a shit. Mm -hmm. My kid got cut. You know, things like that. The usual. And the other news item before we get into Dog Soldiers is one that I think we were both super excited about. We're both stoked about it. If you listen to a horror podcast, you've probably already ran across this news. You're probably dialed in. And so we're telling you old news now. Right. We're just on on the coattails. But we're wanting to make sure that if you haven't heard yet, Rob Zombie started filming his follow-up to The Devil's Rejects. We're getting a third one. It's going to be a trilogy. House for a Thousand Corpses, okay Devil's Rejects, and now Three from Hell. Three from Hell. Which is probably more appropriately titled. Yeah. I'm excited to see how this happens. Are they going to be like zombie killers? I mean, presumably they're going to have to come back from the dead. And it is called Three from Hell. And they're known as Devil's Rejects, which lends to the name, possibly, that they got thrown out of hell. Are they going to have to get revenge on the Unholy Two? Oh, perhaps. We'll find out. Stay tuned. That would be exciting. <laughs> Fucking, oh, I would love some more Danny Trejo showing that. I'd go. be all right with that, man. That would be pretty interesting if they go with that. It's a, it's a good theory. Anyway... I'm excited. I know you're excited. Yeah, we still haven't excited. talked about Devil's Rejects, but we're going to. Oh, eventually we'll get we to it. We love House of a Thousand Corpses. We presume that you do too, because it's still yeah. our most listened to episode. Which I'm quite happy with. I know we've blown up Rob Zombie in the past, so... So we wanted to make sure to fucking mention this, basically. Yeah, big news, especially if you're into zombie films. Rob Zombie, that is. <laughs> or Sherry Moon Zombie. That too. Say hey... You know? Even even if she wasn't going to be in it as Baby, it's a Rob Zombie movie, so she's going to she's be gonna in She's going to be in it regardless. I'd rather be as Baby. <laughs> <laughs> that How weird would that be if they recast Baby? That would be weird. And she'd still, still be in Sherry it. Moon in it. All right, Sherry, get in there. Uh, we keep getting a lot of backlash about you being in every movie, so we, we just got rid of your starring role, but you're still going to be in it. <laughs> I know, right? 
shit, we're still going to make it work. No, it's... That would be the Hollywood be version of Three from Hell, not the Rob Zombie <laughs> version. Yeah. Recast everybody, but still use them as cameos. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. Anyway, with that, I feel done with the news. I feel done with our week. I don't Likewise. know about you. Well, no. Before that, I will say we did shoot yesterday. Oh, shit. Good point. Good point. We did just shoot the third episode of Jafar. So those who tune in and know about that, check out episode three in the future. Just a friendly reminder. uh, Your best grocery stocking tips and tricks on YouTube. uh, Starring yours truly. Starring the fried squirms and put together behind the scenes by a bunch of motherfuckers that have been on this show. Yes, in varying degrees in one way or another. I mean, yeah. Last episode we had... Justin from last week oh is going to be in this episode in po- what is possibly my favorite thing. Amazing. It's possibly my favorite thing. Was not expecting that. It's going to be awesome. And of course we've had like Patrick and Riley on the show before and Yes. So, I'm super excited to get to see that. It'll probably still be, you know, a couple weeks before it's out, but we'll we did just film announce it. when it does. We did just film it. So, yes. be ready. Jafar. Jafar. Just a friendly reminder. Booyaka. Okay, now we're done with the news? Yes. And now we get to find out what goes into the movie Dog Soldiers? You know it. Cool. Guts and bolts? Guts and bolts. Number 63, we already mentioned Dog Soldiers from 2002. I did not realize that. Yeah, it's been out for a hot minute, man. I thought that movie was made a little bit sooner than that, and I feel really bad that I've put it off watching it for 15, almost 16 years. Don't feel too bad, because I have seen it probably within the last six months was the first time I had seen it. So, you know, prior to that, I blew it off as well. However, I was super excited to see it. It's been on my to-watch list for a while, mostly because of the people involved, mostly because of the director Yeah, involved. big name. We've talked about him several times. I'm finding more and more that I dig me some Neil Marshall. Yeah, Neil Marshall's awesome, man. So, yeah, Neil Marshall film. You might know him also from... There's some pretty decent films that he has done. One that you and I have talked about before is Doomsday. I really fucking like Doomsday. I think it gets very overlooked and is just a super fucking ridiculous fun movie. It is. It's really awesome. I I enjoy it. You have to take it for what it's worth. Uh, But as far as horror is concerned... Yes, he's known for The Descent. That was his kind of magnus opus so far as far as horror. Oh my god, The Descent is a great fucking movie. It really is. I went and seen it in the theater when it came out and I think I've seen it twice in the theater if I'm not mistaken. I enjoyed it. Now, I realized that I was kind of on board for Neil Marshall with one of the episodes of Game of Thrones that he directed. Oh, yeah. At the time it came out, it was the best episode that had been on that show to date. He's done a few episodes now, but the first one was Blackwater. Yes. 
And the second episode he's directed for the Game of Thrones is The Watchers on the Wall. He's also directed an episode of Hannibal, which you and I have covered, and it was in the third season. He directed the episode The Great Red Dragon. And I'm a big Constantine fan. Uh, he did a couple episodes of Constantine TV show, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. I really liked that show. It needed a different home to actually survive, though. However, they just announced today that John Constantine, the character as portrayed by Matt Ryan, is joining the cast of Legends of Tomorrow nice. on a more permanent basis. And I'm super stoked. So Fun. <laughs> That'll be awesome. All right. Neil Marshall has also directed films such as Centurion. He's directed an episode of Westworld. The episode was The Stray. And he's also doing the upcoming yeah. Hellboy. Yeah, we've talked about that. We couldn't help it because we've talked about Ron Perlman. Oh, man. The more I see from him, the more I'm excited for that movie. And it is a new Hellboy as well. Right, yeah, yeah. It's um guy from uh, Stranger, Stranger things. things. I can't remember his name, but yeah. David Harbour. Yeah, so that is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. I think he's also slated for the upcoming Lost in Space. I'm not sure if it's the television series or a movie, but it is certainly the Lost in Space project. He's also slated for Skull Island, Blood of the Kong, which I think are going to be some interesting projects. Oh, yeah. No, I guess I saw something about that Lost in Space. It's uh, Netflix. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. I might have to check it out. I like me some Lost in Space. Fucking dangerable, Rob. Yes, danger, danger. danger. I'm familiar. I'm not stranger. I even like that terrible mid-90s Lost in Space. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Dude, the fucking helmet. Yeah. Remember how dope that was? It was not bad. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. Everyone that's seen that movie or even saw the trailer knows exactly what I'm talking about oh, when yeah. I said that. The, the dun, 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 yeah, if you're familiar with it. So fucking dope. It's pretty awesome. There was actually, man, I spent so many hours. When that movie was coming out in the early, early days of the internet, there was a Flash game. It might not even, oh, nice. or it might not even have been Flash. Or, I mean, it probably was, but on their website where you were like visiting a planet and you had to tweak all these different parameters, and you were the one that were ma- was making the planet. Okay. And there was almost like an encyclopedia you could look through, oh. kind of. I mean, with how young I was at the time, it was way too brainy for me, so I was just playing it and trying for things by accident and seeing what would happen. Exactly. You would tweak all these parameters and basically see if you could, like, what your planet would turn out being. Like, if it would be, like, fucking barren and stripped and shit, or fucking... What you were trying to Rhyming. do was make one that your ship could crash land on and be capable of supporting life, if I remember right. That's pretty And awesome. I was like, God, I don't remember when that came out, but I was like eight, nine years old wow. and didn't even have the internet at home yet and was going to the public library <laughs> and just spending fucking like five, six hours fucking playing that goddamn yeah, game. Yeah, back in that kind of golden age of pre-Wi-Fi and things like that. Yeah, when you got your hands on something like that, it was pure addiction. But and fun. I didn't I didn't even know what the fuck I was doing. I mean, I'll say that right now. I lost almost every time, but it was so much fun. Yeah, I mean, you were experimenting. You were having fun with it. But yeah, so lost in space. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Neil Marshall. That's our tangent. <laughs> now, Neil Marshall is not only the director, he's also the writer of this film and the editor. So that takes care of both of those credits. Our cinematographer is Sam McCurdy. You might be familiar with McCurdy's work in films such as The Descent. He's done DP work on The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, the remake, that is. He's also the cinematographer on Doomsday. He's done the film The Devil's Double. 
He's also responsible for being the DP on that Game of Thrones episode, Blackwater. He was also the DP for the film The Collection. He was a part of the Merlin, the television series. He was the cinematographer of the film Knights of Bad Astem. If you're familiar with A United Kingdom is a film that he was a DP for, and he's also the DP in Lost in Space. So those are some of Mr. McCurdy's credits. Our music composer is Mr. Mark Thomas, and he has done some really interesting films. If you're familiar with the animated film Zoo, he was responsible for that. You might have also heard his work in Shaun the Sheep, if you're familiar with that animated film. He's also responsible for music in the film Agent Cody Banks Part 2. He's also done music in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. You might have heard his work also in Merlin the True. Now, he's also a violinist, and I think he gets unaccredited roles, but because he was a part of an orchestra, they pretty much get the primary credit. But he's done violin work in films such as Batman from 1989. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was also the violinist in the film License to Kill, Rambo Part 3, Willow, which we talked about Warwick Davis, Superman Part 4, Highlander, yeah, A View to Kill, and the film Supergirl, starring Helen Slater. Oh, wow. No relation to Christian Slater. Wow, okay, cool. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of neat that he was not only a composer, but he was a violinist on films. So I thought that was kind of cool. All right, our special effects team is Image Effects. I did get a few of their credits. They were responsible for the movie Gumby, if you like Gumby. And they're also responsible for some of the effects in The Nightmare Before Christmas, Tim Burton film. All right, our producers are David E. Allen, Christopher Figg, and Tom Reeve. Our production companies on this film are Kesmet Entertainment Group, the Noel Gay Motion Picture Company, the Carousel Picture Company, the Victor Film Company, and the Luxembourg Film Fund. The distributor for this film is Paved Distribution. They're responsible for the 2002 United Kingdom theatrical release. Our budget for this film is an estimated $2 million. The opening weekend, it made £681,000. That is British. (laughs) That was recorded on May the 12th, 2002 in the United Kingdom. And the gross in Europe was £5 million. So it more than doubled its, uh, its budget. The release date for this film is May 10th, 2002, was in the United Kingdom. And then it got a July 20th, 2002 USA premiere in the Cinemuerte Film Festival here in the States. The taglines, there's a few, so I'm going to do a few of these. I'm talking to you, Jesse, just in case you try to spring that shit on us. God damn it. God damn Blackula. <laughs> Man, that was... I know, we're getting off a tangent, but that was Baskin-esque. Yeah, that was the most fucked up tagline for such a benign movie. No kidding, right? Anyway. Okay, so what are the taglines for Dog Soldiers? So, the first one that I have written down... Shit, you know what we forgot? Synopsis? Yeah. That's okay. I'll breeze through these. We get the synopsis. Alright. Okay. Taglines. The first one. Six soldiers. Full moon. No chance. The second one. A bitch of a werewolf movie. That's pretty straightforward. Three... Imagine you're leading a six-man squad on a routine army exercise, and it all goes horribly wrong. Which also kind of lends to some of the synopsis. Alright, so synopsis. We did forget that. Okay, so 
I was trying to find the movie poster so I could get it right. I saw a movie poster for this movie, and it wasn't a tagline on the poster, but it was a quote from somebody about this poster. Okay. And it was comparing this movie to a couple others, and I, I couldn't help but agree. This is basically like Jaws meets like Alien. Hmm. Or Aliens. Okay. That's interesting. But with soldiers versus werewolves. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, the Jaws that makes one sense. really yeah. jumps out at me because I can see that. Yeah. It's like the house is the boat. Exactly. That makes total sense. When you said that last part, I was like, okay, I okay, I can agree with it now. <laughs> so basically, this movie is a survival werewolf horror. It is. It certainly is. With six soldiers versus werewolves werewolves and it starts off basically as just a just like a training mission it's <laughs> a training exercise gone wrong but they end up holed up in a house for a lot of it and yeah. there's internal strife as well as external and all of that good stuff that's the kind of movie you're looking at exactly so uh, if, i mean i i don't want to try to dis- sound dismissive of no it, no no but, i mean that's pretty straight ahead um, you've on. probably seen other movies do at least portions of what this movie does before it uh, format wise it's nothing new the new thing is it pits the awesomeness of the idea oh, of man. soldiers versus werewolves yeah so, which is fucking who doesn't like that right where the soldiers aren't just fucking idiots like this is an awesome like drawn out fucking battle it it's is dope. it's really awesome i like it in a lot of different ways which of course you know we're going to dive into so that was a really good synopsis of this film We've talked about the people behind the making of it. Now, I'd like to talk about the people who are in front of the camera. All right, so let's just link it straight back to last week. Yeah, so we've... (laughs) This is funny how we're unintentionally doing this because we did this with Richard Jenkins. When I said that we should finally do Dog Soldiers, I had no idea that Sean Pertwee was in it. Which is a really good revelation in, you know, a lot of ways for this film, too. But, yeah, we just recently came off of doing Event Horizon, which Sean Pertwee is in it. Not as extensive as he is in this film, which I'm thankful that he's more involved in this film. Dude, he's fantastic in this movie. Fucking Sean Pertwee, son of the third Doctor. Yeah, which I think is fucking awesome, man. Who looks like his father. Yeah. Make him you pitched it. as yeah. the third Doctor. I second that. That matters. Just pop in for like an episode, for like a special. Like, Why not? Yeah. Anyway. That would kind of have a neat homage if he did that, or if they did that. As we mentioned Making... last week as well, he oh, he's in Event Horizon. He is. Uh, he's in Equilibrium. I really dig that movie. He's in Soldier with Kurt Russell. I really dig that movie. He was also in Shopping, which is another one of Paul Anderson's films. Now, you might have heard him in video games. Now, he's lent his voice in Fable Part 2 and 3, and he was also... Now here, this ties back into a question you had about the Warhammer series, Warhammer 40,000 or 40K, and he was actually the voice of a fire warrior in that. So I was like, whoa, that's kind of not only a that, direct link. Well, yeah, well, not only that, but there was a uh, CGI Warhammer film that he did a voice for. Let me see if I can find that again. Nice. Oh, uh... He was Brother Proteus in a Ultramarines movie, nice. which, fuck the Ultra Smurfs. I'm sorry, but <laughs> fuck the Ultramarines. I'm so <laughs> pissed that he was a goddamn Ultramarine. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it happens. 
Now, Mr. Pertwee's also been in Doomsday, which is another one of Mr. Marshall's films. You might have also seen him in the film Mutant Chronicles. He was in The Magnificent Eleven. He's a part of the Elementary television series. You might have seen him in Howl, the 2015. Uh, he's in Gotham. Yeah, as Alfred Pennyworth. So he's a really good actor. I'm glad he's in this film. He plays Sergeant Harry G. Wells in this film. Now, think of that name. Harry G. Wells. H.G. Mm, Wells? Yes. Mr. Marshall is a big fan of H.G. Wells, so it's no coincidence that Mr. Pertwee's character is named Harry G. Wells. Okay. So the next person I have written down is Kevin McKidd. He plays Private Lawrence Cooper in this film. Now, there was an actor who was supposed to initially get this nod, but he went on to actually do a John Carpenter film. So Jason Statham was first choice to do this part. Right. Ghost of Mars. Oh, right. Well, and the other part of the reason he turned it down was also uh, for Transporter as well. That makes sense. So, uh -huh. yeah, he was unavailable to do this project. But instead, Kevin McKidd, who I think is a brilliant actor. Man, I feel kind of bad because when I look at his credits, it's a whole bunch of movies that I know a lot of people have seen except for me. Wow, or, like, yeah. projects that a lot of people have seen, except for me. Like, those fucking Percy Jackson movies raked in a lot of money. Yeah, they did. Yes, and he was did. Poseidon in them. Yep. I don't know what the fuck a Percy Jackson is. I had seen... I'm not going to joke about this. I saw the first two, not going to lie. I was kind of curious. I like mythology. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what they would do with it. So, I did see him in that. Uh, no. Train spotting. Train spotting. I've never seen. Really? Never seen it. Wow. Do yourself a favor, check it out. Great cast. Two names, Johnny Lee Miller, which I should have mentioned last week because when Event Horizon came out, Paul Anderson said that there was a person sitting in front of him, in mm -hmm. the row in front of him, that fell out of his seat because of a scene, and that person was Johnny Lee Miller, who's in Train Spotting, and the other person I would recommend, because he's in it, is Ewan McGregor. Right. Obi fucking Wonka Nobe. Let me see. I'm looking at his shit right now, and I guess there is a couple things I would have seen him in, but okay. I wouldn't think about it. Like, I saw Kingdom of Heaven, but he, considering he played English Sergeant, I probably wouldn't have fucking recognized him. Do you him. watch Grey's Anatomy? No, never did. He's Dr. Owen Hart? Have you I mean, played? I would have I seen him in Hannibal Rising, but yep. I wouldn't have necessarily recognized him. him. That's understandable. He lent his voice in uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. He was also in Rome, the television series, as Lucius Varenus. You might have seen him in The Last Legion. He was also in the movie Brave, which I think it's an animated film. So I think he yeah. got his voice. He was also in Star Wars Rebels as Finn Rao. See, I haven't watched Rebels yet. Yeah. I keep meaning to. I keep hearing great things. but Yeah, so he's also lent his voice. So he's done a little bit of both, voice acting, and he's done some acting What's in front this? of the I mean, I've camera. heard of Hideous Kinky. He's in that. He was in an episode of Father Ted. I never watched Father Ted. Father Ted is kind of interesting, man. You have to really get that kind of humor to appreciate it. But it's a funny show. I enjoy it. I've seen a few episodes. Oh, shit. I take this back. There's absolutely one thing that I know I'm from. Okay. He was the voice for Thomas Wayne in Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, yeah. which is fucking incredible. So, never mind. Like That's I said, you awesome. might not have seen him, but you definitely heard him, which is awesome. Okay, the next person that I would like to mention in this film is Emma Cleesby. She plays Megan in this film. You might have seen Emma in the film Doomsday, which she's a part of with Neil Marshall. 
She was also a part of Coronation Street. You might have seen her in Inspector Lewis. There's a movie called F, just the letter F. She was in Doctors, Holby City, and Soulmate, which I think these are all United Kingdom productions. The next really big name that we should mention in this film. I think I know who you're going to name. Yeah. Would you like to name him? I feel really, oh my god, I feel like I need to turn in my goddamn nerd card if it's who I think you're going to name. Because my entire first watch through this movie, I didn't recognize him. Really? I didn't realize wow. that it was Liam Cunningham. Yeah, I mean, he's much younger now. You know, 15 in years. yeah. 16 years, uh, yeah. Sir Davos Seaworth from Game of Thrones. Yeah, huge draw, right? So, Mr. Cunningham... One of the most enjoyable, honorable gee, yes, characters, characters in that show. And, honestly, I kept looking at him like, I should know this guy for some reason, but I couldn't place it. And then when I, I looked up shit on this movie, when I got oh, done with my initial shit. watch, I was like, oh my god, I fucking feel like the worst person in the world for not recognizing him. That's okay. So, Mr. Cunningham, he plays Captain Richard Ryan in this film. Mr. Cunningham. Hey, Mr. C. Hey, Mr. C. So, here's a few films that you and I might have seen, but probably didn't recognize him in. Probably one of the first ones I would mention is he was in the movie First Night. He was in the television series Roughnecks. He was in a Dario Argento film. I actually own it, and I know I've seen him in it because he's actually one of the main players in this film. But the movie is called The Card Player. Not one of the strongest Argento films, but it's decent. He's also in the Clinic television series. You might have seen him in a Killian Murphy film. He was in The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Mm-hmm. He was also in the television series Murphy's Law. He was also in the movie Centurion, Clash of the Titans. Uh, he's in the episode of Doctor Who, Cold War. Yes. I have him written down as appearing in Outcast, the television series, Merlin, the television series, let Us Pray, and you had mentioned Game of Thrones as Davos Seaworth. So, Mr. Cunningham, I think, does a really good job in this film as well. Okay, so here are some of the supporting cast that I have written down. Thomas Lockyer, he plays Corporal Bruce Campbell in this film. Why do you think they named him Bruce Campbell? I don't know, but the better part is the fact that he's under command of Pertwee. Yeah. And so this is the first time that Pertwee's ordering somebody named Bruce around. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> what I have written down for Mr. Lockyer is he was in the film Incognito. You might have seen him in Merlin, the television series. He was in Highlander, the Raven television series. He was in Endgame, Holby City, and Cutthroat Island. Next I have Darren Morfitt. He plays Private Phil Spoon Witherspoon. Spoon is Spoon a is one of the best characters in this. He's I don't want to give away really anything good. right now, but No, he's he does a really good job. Now, Darren has done work on television series Grafters. Two episodes of Doctor Who, uh, yes. The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. He was uh, Marco and Jericho, is what I had written down as the episodes, I believe. He was in Star Wars The Last Jedi as a transport deck officer. <laughs> he yes. was also in Doomsday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, I think he's a, a doctor in it, something like that. The next person I have written down is Chris Robson as Private Jill Kirkley. He was a part of Band of Brothers, the television series that was on HBO. You might have seen him in Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow and Ooh, or I liked that movie. Doomsday. So a lot of these guys have worked with Marshall 
as I'm kind of seeing a trend here. All right, Leslie Simpson, he played Private Terry Milburn. He was in The Descent, which you and I talked off here about that. He was also in Doomsday. He was in A Reckoning. You might have seen him in Halfway House. He was also a voice actor in the video game Mass Effect. He was the infiltrator in the video game. Oh, he does? Okay. Yeah. Craig Conway, he and another actress, they were in it in the very beginning, just real oh, briefly. Okay. Did have them written down. He plays the male camper. You might have seen him in the film The Descent. He was also in the film Doomsday. You might have seen him in the film The Tournament. He was also in Devil's Playground and Estranged. The next person I have written down and the final person in our cast is Tina Landini. She was the female camper who accompanied our male camper. You might have seen her in the television series Family Affairs, the television series The Bill, and or the television series Cyclops. So that rounds out our cast and crew. We've set a synopsis. We should give you a warning. Fuck, they cuss throughout the entire goddamn movie. Lots of fucking cussing. <laughs> There's... I mean, lots of violence, I guess. Yes. There's, there's, not, there's not a lot we of, like... That. I mean, there's good gore shots, but it's not like... You're not seeing shit actually get ripped into. You're seeing... Yeah. Kind of the after effects. Kind of a fa- after effects, yeah. yeah. Other than, like, one scene where somebody's obviously alive and in not very good shape. Yeah, that happens. It happens. But, I mean, there are good gore effects. There's, like, intestines A lot of really cool practical and, effects in this film. Yeah, so... I mean, it's a bloody movie. It is. It's just not constantly bloody. No, we did mention this is a soldier versus werewolf film. So I think there's going to be firearms and cursing and the woods and stuff like that. Yeah, lots of gunplay. Yeah. And werewolves, by the way, I guess. No nudity. Nope. No, No boobs, unfortunately, this time. So with that, let's get into how to make a squeal. God, what's happening to me? Oh God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what, what's going on? Oh Jesus, come on! Oh my God, what's what's going on? Where where am I? Oh gee, why why? Come on, somebody, somebody! Ah, come on, come on, come on! Come on, somebody! Sir. Somebody, somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will shock you. Come on, sir. Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Alright, here we are. Dog soldiers making us squeal. Making us fucking bark at the moon. It is. We had mentioned previously, if you tuned in to our Event Horizon episode, that we are finally doing a werewolf film. So this is our first werewolf film into the Fright Squirms catalog. I honestly don't know how it took us this long, but... Uh, we've been hitting all kinds of, you know, really cool films. It was just a matter of time. See, but for me, Werewolves is one of those things that ties back in to how I got to horror movies in the first place. I've brought up a few different times from episode one on that I started off reading about, like, folklore and shit at the local library. And, I mean, a lot of those things cross over. Vampires werewolves yeah, sh- or at absolutely. least shapeshifters depending on how you look at it yeah uh, or and like region, region and stuff because yeah. i'm pretty sure like india has like were tigers or the equivalent of were tigers yeah. and stuff and that would make sense thing. yeah depending on like you see your region 
the folklore slash myth, however you want to look at it. Yeah, it makes I mean, sense. It, I mean, it ties in. People have always revered animals for their strengths yeah. and different things, and so folklore tends to bundle the things together, and it helps when you know you have weird historical shit that happens as well alongside. Because you couldn't get in like a CSI unit on the fucking scene back in the day. You have like shit like the Beast of Gevodon, where that fucking probably escaped lion killed a bunch <laughs> of people, but it was attributed to a werewolf. Good point. I think there's a neat way how a lot of truth per se gets interweaved with folklore and just you know tales and things like that. But it's or... also another way to connect people with the land and. You know, I know that's kind of getting a little off topic, but that's how tales work. Or what was the other one? The Evening Wolf. I think it was an old Icelandic king, I believe. His first name was Kveldolf, which would be the Evening Wolf or the Night Wolf. And he was a berserker that was called the Night Wolf because he was supposedly also a, a werewolf. Nice. He actually died when he was, like, old and had a fit of berserker rage and, like, nice. killed one of his enemies. But then he was so sapped afterwards that he just died. And he's one of those guys from a time period where it was long enough ago that it's hard to tell the stories about him. It's hard to tell what's legend and what's real. He probably lived half the shit they talk about. Probably didn't actually happen, or at least didn't yeah. happen the way they say, but... I know what you mean. It's a nice way to honor people, but in a very abstract way. <laughs> But, I mean, what I'm getting at is I've always fucking dug werewolves alongside, werewolves like, so werewolves and vampires were the things that really brought me into horror. I'm and strangely, like Godzilla. Too. Maybe not so much Godzilla, which is ironic in a way, if you know me. <laughs> Those were, like, the big three that got me into watching, like, horror movies. Awesome. Werewolves, vampires, and Godzilla. Nice. Vampires kind of first and foremost, but throughout my life, always sort of I did. been able man. to more easily identify with the sort of werewolf sort of side of things like yeah. vampires kind of like the high society that you aspire to but exactly more aristocratic but the werewolf was always sort of more like oh i mean guy. i get this because yeah. like shit like there's the one time of the month where they change and they can't fucking help it and yep. like i've had times where i just like gave into my anger and it was like somebody else or something i can understand right, you the almost jill side of, oh yeah out of body experience and and beyond that when I played high school football, I had four years of a coach that encouraged us to use a berserker mindset. <laughs> and so he was literally telling us to try to fucking think of ourselves as fucking transforming in between the fucking snap and the whistle blow. And so the idea of, like, transformations and stuff, that was always sort of weirdly upheld throughout my life huh. in sports, Sweet. in a sports context. That but, makes sense. I mean, it fits. And especially when you think of how, like, beastly these assholes get. Ooh, yeah, no doubt, man. That's just a really long way of saying that I don't know why it's taken this long. Well, yeah, I know what you mean in the broader sense. But no, I think growing up, too, like, with werewolf films, there were several of them, man. I mean, I know I could, you know, name a laundry list of them, but there were a few that really stuck out. And, you know, I'll know we'll eventually get to them, but two I would like to mention are part of, like, The Howling. I remember watching those growing up, and... We talk about it's Stephen King. Howling too. I kind of like it, man, just because it's nostalgic for me. Lee. Yeah, fuck yeah. And boobies. I can't completely get down on that movie, but... It's not the best movie you'll ever see, but take it for what it's worth. It's weird. It's set in Romania. It has Christopher Lee. So yeah, I like it. It's a good film. It's one I grew up with, so it's more nostalgic than anything. Werewolf Orgy. 
Yeah, there is. It's really unique for that time period. And then seeing it as a kid makes it a little bit different for me. But the other one is a Stephen King film starring one of the Corys. It is Silver Bullet. also has Gary Busey. So those are some of the early werewolf films that I'd seen grown up. Oh, and there was one other weird werewolf tie-in for me that was a huge part of my life. My intro into becoming a metal fan was very much through Metallica's Black Album. Mm -hmm. And earlier than high school, where I had a coach that was encouraging us to think like berserkers, before every single junior high football game, I listened to Of Wolf and Man on Metallica's Black Album. And so that's... It was very much ties into like another one of my lifelong loves, which is metal music. Hell yeah, man. So there's all kinds of unique ways how our upbringing ties back into Werewolf in one fashion or another. And so also, not only how did it take us this long to get to a Werewolf movie, but I feel really disappointed myself for taking this long to watch this movie. Well, it's okay. We get to knock out a couple of birds with one stone, perhaps? Two stoners? One bird... Two stoners. <laughs> you get a werewolf film, and we also get to do dog soldiers on top of it. Great film. Right. Uh, yeah, so let's actually talk about this movie, I guess, okay. and not just our experience with werewolves. Okay, so that... Not that we've had experience with werewolves ourselves. I mean, I've been bitten a few times, but... Yeah. You know, Once bitten, was always, shy. It was always just rabies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's shots for that. No big deal. All right, so we talked about the fact that this film came out in 2002. Now, this one, because it was a United Kingdom slash Luxembourg, you know, associated film, I wouldn't have been aware of it at that time. I don't even think I was aware of Neil Marshall at that time. It wasn't until The Descent that I was more familiar, and not until much later until I was familiar with this film. So keeping that in mind, I this film, we talked about just a group of, what, six guys, six, seven guys, mm-hmm who are in a training mission in the highlands of Scotland. This is after reported attacks in the area. It starts off with, we talked about those campers. There's a gift that's given that's uh, important for later on in the film. Oh, so, yeah, so since this was my first time watching this movie, I was immediately like, oh, look at that gigantic Chekhov's gun. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I have a feeling that's probably going to be like the only silver thing in this movie. By the way, it is. <laughs> so, you know. And then spoilers. I was also immediately like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're just throwing this straight out in the open that this is a werewolf movie. Like, yeah, it should be pretty obvious, right? If that's not obvious enough, they have a little hanky panky in the tent, and you get. Kind and in of, true horror movie fashion. Yes, you do. You follow along kind of the tropes a little bit. Zipper on zips. In comes a bestial hand that snatches the woman, and mm, unfortunately, doesn't end or bode well. Although they very much have like full body werewolf costumes that get animatronics used and stuff, yeah. In the later portions of the movie, a decent amount. This movie, for the most part, does a lot with a little. It most does. of the time, it's it just does. arms and like flashes of teeth and faces. Yeah. And, which I kind of like, too. It's, it doesn't get too over-the-top or grotesque with it. It's no, just I mean, enough. It reminded me very much of, like, Jaws. Yeah, and it makes sense. It's just a presence that you know is there, and you have to be very careful with your movements. Also, wolf-related kind of reminded me of The Grey through Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. Did you ever watch that? I have. I have seen that. Like a I campfire mean, I, movie. Yeah, basically. I don't think it's necessarily considered a horror movie, 
but it has elements. But yeah, I wouldn't consider. But that. for my like personal opinion, that movie does a better job of building a terrifying atmosphere, terrifying, oppressive, just frightening oh, atmosphere yeah, yeah. than like ninety percent of the horror movies I've actually seen. So it's a very good point. And this kind of reminded me of that. To an extent, especially when they get in the house later, and, I like that. and just sort of the way that they use the wolves. This is a kind of a unique way of tying back into it. This gets into dreams a little bit, but like me, I hope, well, I'll say hope, but I'd be curious to know if you've ever had dreams where you felt like you were been enclosed in houses being chased or followed by something. I've had werewolf dreams. Uh, I've by had, a werewolf, yes. That's I have. Not, I've had werewolf <laughs> dreams, not gonna lie. And. The, uh, for me, in a weird way, it's, it's one of like, the earliest nightmares I remember. I have nightmares, but in a weird way, I kind of enjoy them too. Like I kind of like being chased in dreams. For I think it's because you get like that a little bit of adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Your heart races a little bit, but I never get caught, which is a good thing in those dreams. I got, I got just, caught. That's why I'm. Yeah, it's always looming, is what I'm getting at too. So I have this weird dream connection too. One of my earliest nightmares that I can remember as a child was basically me being chased through the set of the Jetsons. Nice. It was it was all like super like fifties retro futuristic. But I got caught by a fucking werewolf. Ooh, that's and not a good scenario. By the way, like futuristic werewolves, somebody please get on it right now. Jack Nicholson werewolf or Del Toro? <laughs> Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just, just for reference. <laughs> because I want werewolves in space. That'd be awesome. Honestly, why not? But, yeah, no, I got caught at the top of, like, an escalator. Ooh. And I woke up, like, about to piss myself. Like, that shit's scary. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Werewolves, werewolves are no fucking joke, people. <laughs> Basically. Dude, no, and that was the thing, like, I don't even remember what movie it was. Oh, it would have been... Uh, how many werewolf movies came out in the, the late 90s, early 2000s? There can't be too many of them. Oh, late 90s. What, how many movies came out... Werewolf movies came out in the late 90s that I went to in the theater? I don't remember for sure, but it would have been when I was like 10, 11 years old. I don't even remember what movie it was. But I remember like walking home fucking piss scared of werewolves. Huh. Like, it was only like a half mile walk back to my house, but... You know, tiny rural town. We don't really have that many streetlights. It's fucking dark as shit out. And fucking little mountain valley town of only a thousand people. Like, wildlife <laughs> is in the town. Uh, you know what it's I mean? It's ever like, present, yes. Yeah. So having a wolf around really isn't like... Too an, far of a stretch. No. I mean, it's a bit of a stretch. Wolf isn't going to come down into town. Barrel Not come like down that, into town, but yeah. But... It's just the idea, concept. Yeah. But yeah, it's still not that much of a stretch when you have forest literally like yeah, half a mile right away. There. Yeah. <laughs> that away. <laughs> so, yeah, werewolf, yeah. I I remember walking home as like 10 years old, piss scared of like a werewolf is going to fucking attack me. For that time and age in our lives, that's a very pressing issue it's like that's a concern that was a bug of fucking quicksand for me at that time i remember having fear of quicksand because you know that's that's like an early stage kind of like tail year you get trapped in that what the hell are you gonna do but uh, yeah shit so fucking werewolves <laughs> uh <laughs> so yeah so it's training exercise gone wrong yeah and let's jump around a little bit we because should. because there's something 
some of the shit that happens right here at we'll the hit beginning on the, on the points, yeah. is is just set up for the bigger thing later on because where they're going to try to outflank the special forces is just a trap set up by Liam Cunningham. Yes, and you it's find just that a out bigger later yeah, on, bigger plot. But honestly, I mean, I kind of guess that there was something going on if they knew that there was a hole that <laughs> early on. Yeah. I think, you know, like some, as the film progresses, you learn a, a bigger picture of what was really going on and why these people are involved. But you're right, it's just a group of soldiers. They eventually stumble upon some carnage in the woods. Eventually they run into Cunningham, like we had mentioned. He was a part oh, of... Oh, we didn't talk about the fact that fucking Cooper's a badass. And they Cooper show is him, badass. And they show the fact that he has history Morals. with Cunningham. And isn't going to shoot... Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go off on this little tangent for a second. I'm we so should. glad he didn't shoot the dog. Fuck you, Davo Seaworth. I mean, I still love you as Davo Seaworth, but goddammit, Liam Cunningham. Why well, not as Captain dog? Ryan? Why'd you have to shoot the dog? Yeah, I mean, I understand it's set up your goddamn character, and it gets called back later at the end of the movie, but... Yeah, still. Because the dog's alive, and it takes him down. Basically. I feel like, when you look at it more subjectively, <laughs> you're like, really? That's why you failed him? Because he's not going to shoot this dog? Any person with any sense of empathy. See, my immediate thought was that he was... Because this was my first time watching it. I thought that he was going to get accepted because he was going to make a good enough argument. I thought that after his first initial, like, no, I'm not going to do it, yeah. he was going to be like, well, you know, the dog is also considered a soldier. I'm not... As part of a training exercise, I'm not going to shoot a fellow soldier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that sort of it's thing. It's come like, on like, the I, I, like I'm not going to shoot him either, just as part of a training exercise. Yeah. Yeah, just because you say so. Kind he's a, he's a valuable asset that we, you know, the government's expended time and money into, just like the rest of us. And an American argument would be: Look, even Scooby Doo is included with the group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dogs are valuable assets. Because the name of the movie is Dog Soldiers. Yeah, exactly. And so it I was like, he's going to be part of this group, and then this is the group that's going to have something happen to it. The dog is the captain. And then he didn't make the group, and I was like, oh, so we don't even have to care about these assholes. Yeah, exactly. They're just, you know, they're there for the exercise. Almost everybody in this movie is kind of a badass. Yeah. One they of, all so have this movie, really good talent. I found this movie to be exquisitely enjoyable because of the amount of just... Especially upon a second watch, it really felt like Neil Marshall was just really having a lot of fun with this, given that he was also the writer. Yeah. And sort of knew that when you boil down the elements to soldiers versus werewolves, it's kind of just ridiculously awesome. So <laughs> yes. most of the lines in this movie are just like people just making the most crazy badass boasts and one-liners. Yes. And it's, oh my god, it's not like so bad it's good, it's because it all it's really good it feels like legitimate like it feels like a group of guys that go through this sort of shit together getting on each other's nerves yeah exactly and I in mean, a situation just... where they have to feel like badasses to even try to make through it and they're all doing their best to fucking survive they're all very capable and they give each other a little bit of banter but seriously like half of the lines in this movie are people just making badass boasts yeah and it's good uh, one of the things I like how this movie kind of sets that horror tone a little bit is at first you don't really get a sense of that maybe after i don't know after the campers get it Mm -hmm. it takes a little bit and then eventually you get that them finding all that shit and starts to ratchet that stuff up it's just 
it's a unique way of how you start building all this dread and tension. That does set a unique tone. The special forces unit you know, getting just wiped out fucking just makes me fucking laugh dude although <laughs> laugh. i was shit. thinking about it after the movie and i'm like okay so we already said this is part of liam cunningham's plot yeah the idea was was he was trying to use that first group as bait because they knew that there was a werewolf around turns yes. out that there was more than one around yeah they didn't anticipate the numbers involved they were looking for one specifically it sounded like that's partially where they went wrong not completely where they went wrong because they were ambushed to begin with but i thought about it i'm like well, that fucking makes sense that they're going to attack you assholes first because you guys had to go out there and set up all these routes and set up this ambush, and you've been just hanging out in their territory for, like, the past week. Yeah. They've had a fucking week to start hunting you assholes, and you think that they're just going to jump on these new guys because they're going where you want them to go? No. <laughs> no. So we're going to do... Whether he intended, I don't know if he thought about it that deeply, or whether he was just like, "I want the story to be about these guys, yeah. so these assholes are going to get took out, and that's going to be like the setup. They're going to find just the bloody remains of all of them, and and Liam Cunningham. I can't even remember. His uh, I know what I wanted to say. It was the moment that set the tone. That's what I wanted to say. Was the cowl falling out of the sky mm. during his storytelling, and it was after. Kind of a quote-unquote epic tale of Eddie Oswald. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never forget Eddie Oswald. <laughs> you know, but he tells the tale of that guy getting a devil tattoo because he's like, his flesh was beyond saving, so the devil can save his flesh. Got blown up, and the piece that they found was the devil tattoo, yada, yada. And then right after that, the other guy's trying to lighten the tale. He's just telling a bar joke. Fucking cow flies out of the sky. That's when it sets the tone. Like, all right, now you're in the shit. That's what I would meant to say. Yes. So, so uh, that's where I there knew was something I was else that it. jumped out about me about that scene, and I was like, man, Pertwee, you're kind of a dick because these guys are kind of having they're having their own discussion about like what scares them the most. Yeah. And he hijacks it into a tale and forcing them to commemorate his dead buddy. Yeah. And Eddie it kind of fit in, but he kind of just hijacked it all he from, did. He did. He from really the fact did. that they were all sort of like having this intimate bonding moment with each other by opening up to each other. There's a bit, a little bit of foreshadowing with Cooper. What's his fear? Spiders. Women. Spider women. Spider women. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> You're right. Somebody else was like castration, I think he said. Mm -hmm. And the other guy was like footy. <laughs> like watching the football games with that guy you know <laughs> stuff like that it was just like little one liners little zingers and the fucking cow fell out of the sky and they knew it wasn't just natural causes after a bit they followed the blood trail leads them to some shit the first person who gets it Bruce Campbell oh right well Bruce Campbell fucking Tucker and Dale's himself he does where do you think they got that from Tucker and Dale there it was <laughs> so Straight back into our Tucker and Dale episode. What I thought was neat about that was the fact that they didn't just leave that be. The werewolf still gets him. Wham! <laughs> yeah. I laughed so hard. If you uh, if you can't get to see that real quick snippet of it, it's really good gore. Like oh, they leave yeah? it on Yeah, on that branch. Yeah, it's really good. And then uh, eventually Pertwee gets it. Like he gets eviscerated pretty um, good. So this isn't the only movie to do this. And I can't remember if we've brought it up before. 
But this is one of those movies that has one of those weird moments where there's two times very early on where the werewolves are way more almost instantly fatal than they are for the entire rest of the movie. Yeah, good point. And they both slice open Liam Cunningham and Pertwee. Yeah. Almost like that. Doesn't take long. Doesn't take anything at all. (laughs) But, like, later on in the movie, you have shit with, like, God, who is it? Where the werewolf busts in and is fucking clawing at him for, like, 30 seconds before (laughs) Spoon chops off his arm. Wham. Yeah, exactly. I can't remember who he's grabbing onto, but... If the werewolf's claws are supposed to be able yeah. to just do that Slice, to Pertwee, people. then that motherfucker should have been... Sushi. Yeah, easy. I mean, I'm not trying to knock on this movie, because no, I no, love no, this movie and a lot, but it's a trend that lots of movies do, where they set up something as being really, really dangerous early on. It almost has a predator feel, too. But then later on, in order to stretch the movie longer and yeah, stretch out the tension, yeah, they can't be that powerful all the time. Yeah, there has to be some kind of limitations. That would make sense, too. Mm-hmm. Depending on the full moon, how powerful it is. But that's the thing. The moon only got higher in the st- sky as the night went on. You'd think it, they would have got more powerful. I would think they're, they're peaking. Like I said, I'm not trying to knock on it. It's no, something no, no, a it's lot not of not. movies do, but I did notice that. Like, yeah. Oh, like early on, they're just ripping motherfuckers open, and later on. And later on, they're just toying with these fucking assholes. <laughs> There's lots of different ways that werewolves okay. sort of get portrayed. Right. How did you like these werewolves? I really dug this I like interpretation. Them. I like them. I thought the way that they were designed, their functionality, the way that they were incorporated in their attacks, for me, was believable. I liked it. I felt like at times I wish they would have used it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But overall, I like Those are the kind of werewolves, had I been a kid, it would have scared the shit out of me. Yeah, I, yeah, I liked. They're uh, almost pumpkinheadish too, like the film Pumpkinhead. Oh, they had yeah. that presence like that. Yeah, I liked how they had the vulnerability to silver. Yeah, but it wasn't necessarily required as long as you could do a massive amount of damage to them. They were yeah. almost invincible, but they, but they still, still seemed to feel pain. They were definitely stronger. But they weren't, like, pick you up and throw you, like, 30 feet strong. They were like, <laughs> yeah. give me two hits and I can get through this door. Like Exactly. It didn't feel so beyond yeah. what I can imagine to really, like, be like, oh, this is a fantastical creature. Yeah. It made me be like, oh, shit, like, these are really fucking scary werewolves. <laughs> exactly. And knowing, too, I mean, this is spoilers, so beware. The fact that these werewolves later on, of course, are we find out they're humans. Well, I mean, that's I mean a given. that's given. Word, yeah. It should be given if you're familiar with werewolf films. But you got to think it's man. There are limitations. Even as werewolves, they have these fucking crazy strengths. It's not like supernatural. Their strengths. Right. Right. Yeah, it's more within the realms, which is more physicality. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems natural for when you see them what their physical stature yeah. is. You're like, oh, like, they're bigger and they're pretty solidly muscled. So, yeah, of course they can do what they're doing, but they're not doing anything, like, super beyond that. They're like Debo's. <laughs> they're all Debo's. <laughs> what claws? If anybody's super, it's the motherfuckers on the team. Yeah. All those guys were good, especially when they were put in the situation of getting into the house... Now, here's the thing. is like, was it initially at first, do you think it's coincidence that they ran into Megan driving the Jeep down that trail 
as they're being chased in the woods by these werewolves. Well, she thought she had set up a rescue team. What I felt like it was that she knew that the pack would never let her go. Right. She would have to be extracted somehow. And so she thought there was going to be a rescue team coming and, of course, thought that it was them. Mm-hmm. Good point. It, she just ran into the wrong group. Or she didn't get the message out the way she thought. Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. And that would make sense. And they drive to a farmhouse of a family that she knows. And shortly thereafter, that's when a lot of shit starts to go down. A lot of revelations are made. We talked about it lending its hand a little bit to films like Evil Dead and Aliens. And when I mean, there's others, things. That, in a weird way, Zulu is referenced in this film, too. Yeah. You know, a couple times. Which is kind of cool. The Matrix as well. And Star Trek. So it does pay a lot of homages and little nods and stuff. I could kind of see it throughout the film. But it's one of those two. It's well blended. Mm-hmm. Talking about her thinking that it was a rescue squad reminded me of... want to put the movie under a microscope. The right. one other problem I kind of have with it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some dialogue that I missed that explains it a little bit better. But she thought she was setting up a rescue squad... All the information that they had was given out by her to Liam Cunningham. Okay. When they were putting the group together beforehand, the other time he was there. If she wanted a realistic response that would be strong enough to get her out, why did she tell them that there was only one and not multiples? Exactly. So, there's a lot of deception in this film with her character. She doesn't tell them exactly who she is it takes a little while for them to figure it out and when they do finally figure it out it has severe consequences for a lot of people which i thought was really cool so there is a lot of build-up of some of exposition of like her being what she said she was a zoologist and she knew that there were creatures werewolves wink winks out in these parts mm-hmm. there's been stories 15 people have disappeared yada yada so she makes a believable story she met up with this family i guess it took her in and, uh, yeah, there's been some missions or expeditions, etc. These guys were, <laughs> unfortunately, there for a whole different purpose. Like I said, a decoy. And what I like about it, too, is, like, knowing that they're trapped inside of that house. And they do try out several options of trying to get out. They try to get to that Land Rover, which they do. They use it for a purpose. And then it's like, oh, oh. shit. Dawn of the Dead. That's yeah, the other yeah, movie yeah. that it's a lot like. Um, that's a very good one to, to mention in that. Yeah, you're stuck in, like... And I was there on the... The like mall rooftop. versus yeah, the... the mall. And the other one was... Uh, they were on the rooftop and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, one of those. Yeah, I, I always forget which one is which when I... Which sounds bad being on a horror <laughs> podcast, but Dawn, Day, there's not... I mean, they both start with D-A, come on. Yeah. <laughs> we're within margin of error. <laughs> but... And I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> But what I'm getting with that is inside of the house, they make the most of what they have. And they are brave enough, I suppose, or at least willing to sacrifice trying to get the fuck out of that situation that they're in. It's just unbeknownst to all of them until the end is that they're there for a very different reason from both Cunningham and from Megan in this movie. She is the family. That's her family. Right. Um, <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. I like the way that it all unfurls across the movie, too, and how they sort of put it together. Yeah. 
because they put together parts of it earlier on and then they're like oh shit well that later on and when they get time to think they're like oh shit well that means this doesn't it? yeah exactly i thought it was really cool man those werewolves dude when they finally do come on the house and shit and they breach yeah those motherfuckers are scary they're fierce they can fuck you up pretty bad yeah and they do a good job like I said, with the effects team, pulling off the animatronics and just making it look not CG. That was a, one of the things they said that they wanted in this film was not to have CG. Because they felt too many films at that time were doing that. Speaking of which, there was something that stood out to me when I watched it through the first time. And I was kind of curious about. And There's no full-on transformation sequence in this movie. No, it, there's just... You get little like uh, uh, like pangs, but no, yeah, physical transformation. And apparently, it was because I looked it up afterwards because I was like, "That's kind of weird." Like you see partial transformation like twice, three yeah, times. Yeah, it's mostly eyes, maybe some teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, three times you get partial transformation. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, Marshall felt like he didn't want to do it, and he couldn't improve upon American Werewolf in London. Yeah. He couldn't improve upon Landis, and he was like, "Why try?" Yeah, why show it then? Like, it works just as well just to know that they turn into a fucking werewolf. All right. If I can't look at that good, then... <laughs> yeah. I was like, if you're a fan of horror films, which we are, and it's 2002 and you'd seen this film, you would think at this point you know what the transformation is like. You don't necessarily have to see it every time. No. I mean, it stood out to me that there wasn't one. Yeah. I mean, it's not like no. it detracted from it. I just noticed it. Precisely. It'd be one thing if they just, like... If they were st- still look like us, which is a little hairier. <laughs> That's the transformation. Well, I'm pretty hairy, man. I, I, I mean, know. we both kind of are when we let it grow out. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's like, oh, you're just the wolf man that's in the National Enquirer. Yeah, shit. You're just a motherfucker from Transylvania 65000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the guys, all of them. Pertwee, his character, we talked about this too, like wasn't anticipating, upon first view, his involvement in this film. He's the sergeant of that unit. Oh, yeah, I mentioned... He does a great job, man. I mentioned this to you before the show. First off, when we went into this movie, I didn't know Pertwee was in it, and you brought that to my attention last week after we got done with the event oh, horizon. Yeah. I also, for some reason, I don't know why, but I just assumed that he was going to have more of like a Sean Bean-type role in this movie I have no idea why I assumed that but just my base assumption when I heard that Pertwee was in this movie was that he was going to be like Sean Bean yeah and that makes sense and he absolutely is not he is kind of one of the bigger heroes throughout this entire movie in a big bad way (laughs) yeah he has some really good dialogue in this film physical acting that's a great job all these guys everybody involved he was actually drunk during yeah, the yeah, scene. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there also a, actually got hit. I was gonna say there was a quote unquote mishap on the second punch, <laughs> second take. Yeah, I heard about that. He's apparently too drunk to even feel it, mm-hmm. but it went down. Yeah, uh, yeah, he didn't feel it till the next day. Ooh, I can imagine it's a stinger. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some pretty cool shit. So yeah, you get to watch Pertwee get fucking slugged in this movie. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, um, like I said, some physical involvement. One thing I like too, which is kind of comical, is that I think it's the guy who plays Spoon. Mm-hmm. He's in the kitchen, and he winds up having that boxing Okay, <laughs> well, I wanted, to, I wanted to bring that up. So, Second Werewolf doesn't show up, Spoon wins, right? Uh, yeah, the way it was going, he was fucking... Spoon up. was about to kill a fucking werewolf with his bare hands. What I was thinking, too, there's a saying that says, you know, everything... Spoon is the biggest badass in this movie. Spoon did the fucking flares. 
He threw everything at that werewolf except for the kitchen sink. <laughs> I was getting out with that one. He threw pods and pans, threw up the dukes, stabbed them. And she was, I was like, damn, you go, boy. They even, man, for, I love, especially with, with how often, like, wolves are used in fairy tales. I love when they make, like, fairy tale references. Yes. And yeah. they make a fucking, they make a, a Red Riding Hood reference. They do. It's funny. They make a Three Little Bears reference. They do. They do. And, by the way... When they enter the home? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about it, they're holed up in a house, protecting themselves from the big bad wolves, and in the end, the house gets blown down. Uh-huh. Little pigs. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It is really interesting. I like how he even tells them, you know, if she gets cheeky, chin the bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Paraphrasing. You're right, when they enter, you see the food is still on the stove, like it's still cooking. And that gets to the little girl entering the three bears. But anyhow, yeah, there's a lot of really cool ways they're tied back into fairy tales. Wolves uh, being, yeah, a major influence in that. I don't want to, I mean, go watch this fucking movie, because yeah, I, I, I don't really want to go through every little bit we don't of have the to house go into defense. Every detail. No. Because the house defense sequence is just a great action sequence and shit, just. But that's most of the rest of the movie is they're in the house defending themselves and there's a little bit of internal turmoil from all yeah. the revelations that come throughout the movie. Yeah, but. like so there's some there's bigger pictures at play, there's revelations unfold. There's a lot of think, yeah, a lot of good oh, character development. So here's the one other thing, moving past not necessarily past this movie, but potentially past this movie. Mm -hmm. It's brought up that because werewolves exist, other things might exist. Yeah, there was major allusions to that. Like, this is. Can we get Neil Marshall to give us a fucking wow. monster universe? Can we get Universal wow. to pay Neil Marshall to give us a monster universe? There could be a tag team, Del Toro and Marshall. Right, well, okay, so bringing up Del Toro, <laughs> I want to mention this. There's no better time. And being that this is horror, we're going to get off Dog Soldiers for just a hot minute. Just a hot minute. Wall, yeah. We'll be back. I feel like. I know I'm not the only one saying this. I've seen other people also talk about it online. Just in the weird, weird thing that somebody with some sort of pull decides to just listen to our podcast for some <laughs> weird, weird reason in this episode, now is the time to give Guillermo del Toro the money to make at the Mountains of Madness. Dude, that would be awesome. He was trying to get that done for a long time. I had some major names time, behind right? him that wanted to see it done. But could never get the funding. Man. He's just coming fresh, hot off the shape of water. Now we know what we can do when he is given Come full on. reign to just have fun. Yeah, give him the money for at the mountains of madness. Get Del Toro so giving awesome. us amazing Lovecraft. Oh my gosh, it needs to be done. <clears throat> He's the man for it. Give him a fucking two hundred fifty million dollar budget to do it proper. Give him the time. Don't rush him. Let him do it. Okay, but anyway, that being said. Dude, yeah, I know. <laughs> Fucking hell, that'd be awesome. Neil Marshall needs a Monsters universe, I think, based off that line alone and how well this movie was done. Yeah. Th I mean, this was supposed to get a sequel, right? And yeah, it, it never happened. To. It's in some sort of somewhat yeah. development hell, somewhat. It almost sounded like Neil Marshall's almost given up on it. I don't know if There's a, a complete story in was in. Yeah. I don't know if a story was in place at all or not. I haven't done the research on that, but. Yeah, I mean... I know that there was a name and shit, but... Yeah, I, who knows, but... I'll put it this way. For this film, like I said, for most 
werewolf films, you don't really get to see them up against this kind of format with uh, soldiers, that is. You know what I mean? You don't get to see them up against somebody that's possibly their equal with the, yeah. the right provisions. Yeah, typically they're in like the hunt mode on prey. I mean, they're doing that, of course, with this, but to an adversary that is equal in strength and <laughs> can fuck them up pretty good. I just, I, I think that's very unique in this particular like werewolf setting. But no, it's just knowing the fact, like I so said, that they're soldiers. Like I so said, they can, they can fuck these guys up. I think that's really cool. I think Marshall did a really great job of incorporating that. The dialogue is believable. Even some of the events, like with the soccer match, Germany oh. and England, that was a real match. I saw, when I was looking around for shit online, I saw somebody mention that that's actually the correct attachment for the blank firing for the type of exercise that they were doing. Yeah, it's I really cool. I looked up a couple of things. They use a couple of like military terms. One was like AWACS, and that's like some kind of airborne and weapons and control systems. It's like a radar thing they do. So, you know, he mentions mm-hmm. that, and then they mention something else in the film. And it was just some military terms. Like, well, they were trying, like, partially using correct terms and doing correct things. And, you know, it's just paying attention to the details. You know, they did a good job with that. They had right. fun with this film. So now my dream, my dream world, my dream scenario, somebody gives Neil Marshall a billion dollars to do what he wants. Ooh, wow. So the sequels, I can't remember the titles. I don't have them in front of me anymore either. That's I okay. had them looked up. But <laughs> um, they all seem to also imply werewolves. It was like dog soldiers, colon, whatever, subtitle. After that line saying that other things might exist, what I want is something more like John Carpenter's Vampires. Mm. Oh, shit. <laughs> Where it's dude now, and news got out. He proved werewolves exist. Yeah. They're showing the photographs at the end of the movie. I loved it. So now, a strike team gets set up to combat supernatural threats. Ooh. He's heading it. That'd be pretty And, awesome. I want to throw in a twist, Pertwee survived. Oh, that'd be dope. That would be and awesome. And they have their own werewolf on their team. It's to also give a little bit of a, like a Helsing twist, but not, but different. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. My mind went somewhere different. I was thinking Predators because of some of the vision they were using. Oh, okay. It's like you drop in Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> right? You drop in Apollo Creed and Jesse Ventura, and you let them go at the werewolves and see what happens. But my dream scenario <laughs> would be like around. you embrace the fact that if you're going to be able to move forward with it, you're going to have to go a little bit more action rather than horror because horror, yeah. you'd be killing off too many characters every time. You would be. like You'd only be left with one or two people, yeah. But you could still very much use horror elements, yeah. supernatural elements. Yeah. Like I said, this already invoked the gray to me, so if you can invoke atmospheric darkness and all could. that, that goes a long way, especially when you're combating supernatural threats. I talk about this like it's going to happen. It's not going to fucking happen. You never know. (laughs) You never know. But that's... Oh, man. I would love to see this universe get moved forward with... It would be a lot of fun. And sort of just the fact, like, this one embraced the fact that it was kind of built on a ridiculous... I've said this a couple times now. It's based on a ridiculous, awesome premise. Mm -hmm. Keep that mentality going forward. Have them be fucking the characters be just as gung-ho berserkers that you fall in love with as fucking Spoon. Yeah. Spoon is He incredible. was so good, dude. Spoon really good. Spoon is good. Apparently Spoon was supposed to be killed on screen and they ended up cutting it because fans liked him too much. Yeah, and he was great for obvious reasons when you watch the film. Yeah, he had some really good moments. He has, like, frying pan moments. 
stabby moments. <laughs> he has good lines. Yeah, he's good, man. One other thing I noticed that I just wanted to point out, the very end newspaper mm-hmm. with England winning. They won five, five points. Winner. Yeah. Five of the members got killed. One survived. That's a good point. Point uh, for everybody that died. That's pretty good. This film does a really good job of using references and kudos for those who watch it and catch those references and understand them and it's nice going through them again and catching them i mean like i said this film has a lot of depth to it it's a lot of fun oh man now i'm just thinking about like an alternate ending where fucking spoon has the sword the entire time he did he was wielding it for a bit it was pretty good can you think how fucked up those werewolves would have gotten if spoon would have just had the sword the entire time he could have gone Dead alive with it a little bit. Oh, he could have went the massacring. Fucking, I think he would have went to town on those goddamn werewolves. It could have. You, you saw what he was doing with just a little knife, like yeah. He has and, and fists and he, everything, he, but yeah, he, salt shakers. He told like a salt shaker. Yeah, he told uh, he told that werewolf. He's like, come over here and catch these fists, bitch. <laughs> Dude, and then even when he goes out, I hope you give. I hope I give you the shit. Yeah, <laughs> fucking twat. <laughs> I love their use of all that stuff, man. It's funny. I had I've got stuff written down. Their one liners are they're good. I mean, they're unique to that area too. So if you're familiar with, you know, like British humor and the other United guy, Kingdom humor, the other guy goes <laughs> out funny. in the fucking in the truck, fucking knife in hand, like fuck this, I'm I'm doing it then. Yeah. Like, that was so badass, so cool. Give me a bunch of movies with characters like that fighting supernatural things. Those guys, all of the guys in Gal in this film, they all did a great job. Werewolves, let me see them fight vampires, let me oh. see them fight fucking whatever. Give me like shit Damn. I don't know about. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole universe to play with. Just keep drawing on shit from folklore. Turns out it's all real, now they have to fight them. Get them. I'm down. Get them. Ah, uh, Cabin in the Woods meets Werewolf. Yeah. Dog Soldiers? Yeah, Cabin in the Wolves meets Dog Soldiers. That'd be pretty badass. Meets John Carpenter's Vampires. (laughs) Yeah, with Bon Jovi. (laughs) Diego Luna. Oh, that'd be cool, yeah. He's in it. He's in the second one. Yeah. The young one. (laughs) But no, like I said, overall, man, I'm glad we got to do this. It's a good entry into werewolf films in general. It's a good way to talk about werewolves. I'm going to be continuing a little bit of a werewolf kick anyway. Uh, yeah. I mentioned last week that I bought some old Marvel Werewolf by Night oh, comic yeah, books. Oh, yeah, you did. And so I'm going to be kind That's of... going to be fun. I'm going to be like hackles deep. Nice, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in werewolf for a little bit to come now. Reading about, oh my god. I would completely forgot this about werewolf by night. The main character, the werewolf in question, right. his name is Jack Russell. Uh- <laughs> Jesus, that's funny. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I'm a couple episodes, I mean, not episodes, a couple issues in, though. Like, I haven't set aside too much time this week to read, because I got okay. a new TV and shit, so. Well, I mean, we had a lot going on this weekend as well, so, understandable. Yeah, hey, fucking Jafar. Dude. I'm excited. So I can go fun. watch Jafar. I don't know what else to say about this movie. I, I'm done. No, I would recommend I'm it. done with Werewolf by Night, I'm done with all that, so. How would you rank it? One out of ten. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> There's so many little things about yeah, it I okay. enjoyed, but... I know I'm springing it on you. I mean, I, I want to put it almost at a 9. Like, I'd put, let's say, like yeah, an 8.7. Nice. Like, I really enjoyed this movie. There's some things in it that are really tropey and that you sort of can see coming. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously, like, a lot of love in the script and 
like the characters really just seem to be having really a lot did. of fun in the roles and you get just the awesome it's so badass like it, and it's not of, like it this it's not it. these crazy like super choreographed action sequences like no. a John Wick or something like that but it's just these fucking guys just having a standoff against fucking almost invincible werewolves <sighs> and it turns out that that is something that's really cool to fucking see so it is and it's completely different than seeing a civilian or civilians try to fend off it wouldn't last that long it's <laughs> no way oh yeah most of the groups that are in a horror movie yeah the usual cast of characters in a horror movie going up against what is it like six werewolves at a time yeah dude like six seven werewolves Ooh, good luck yeah they're done it, it happens they would too have quick. a hard time with one yeah <laughs> Let alone six or seven. Shit. Uh, and that's the other thing. Like most other werewolf movies, there usually is only like... I mean, there's a lot that have multiple werewolves, oh, but for, usually for sure. it's only one that's really affecting whoever you know the main characters are. I completely agree with that. The rest of the pack tends to either be supporting or like background characters. Yeah. Not all the time, obviously. Not always, but, but yeah. A good, um, a good percentage of But the it's time. because it has to be the type of matchup where the movie isn't over <laughs> in 30 seconds because... <laughs> Roll credits! <laughs> because the werewolf is so powerful that it overcomes the entire group. I guess if you go looking for sequels, you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, realistically, like I said... Um, Story-wise, yeah, you can't. No, fuck yeah, no. You have to make a reason why <laughs> you can last that long. Yeah. And this movie does that in spades. It does. It really does. And knowing that this is like an earlier project too of Neil Marshall, who, you Bring know, on who's Hellboy. gone on, is going to fucking do Hellboy. It's going to be great, Hellboy. man. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be dope. We don't really have anything set in stone yet. Oh no, we're going to figure out next week. So yeah. while we figure out next week, please hit subscribe on however you're listening to us. Love you long time. That would be amazing. Oh shit! There was actually one more thing I wanted oh, yeah, to no, point okay. out about this movie. We Let's rewind back to Dog Soldiers. Um, but this kind of ties in with our end stuff. So cool. yes, please subscribe Hit that and like please button. get in contact with us, especially iTunes. Well, okay, yeah. Please rate us on iTunes. It turns out that that actually helps. Yeah. Shit, we would still love you. That'd be awesome if you're. That's where you're listening to us on. But you can also get in touch with us, and I would especially love it if we happen to have any UK listeners to get in touch with us yeah. to confirm this. Now, I've never been over there, but from what I understand from some things I read online, they're identified in this movie as that cabin is a four-hour drive from... Oh, yeah, yeah. From not, you know. I know you're getting out with this. It's a four-hour drive to anything yes. from that cabin. From what I understand... That is not, not possible in Scotland. Anywhere in Scotland, for that matter, right? Right. From what I understand is it only takes six hours from, to get from basically the northernmost part of Scotland. To the southern? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Vice versa. I'm not positive on that. But I've someone could confirm over that for us. So if we have anybody over there yeah. that is listening to our episode and Hit wants to confirm that where they're at is physically impossible in Scotland. Four-hour drive, any direction. In Scotland. Yeah. Confirm that for us. Then you can hit us up, squirmcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Or on our Facebook, just search for Fried Squirms. Or on our Twitter, at Fried Squirms. Or the Instagram, Fried Squirms Podcast. Yeah. We like to communicate with our fans. We like to communicate with people who 
Austin Do Podcast. Don't be afraid to hit us up. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing what we got planned in the future. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know we've got some plans for a series of films. Oh, yeah. That'll be coming up before too long, but we still have to fill time between that. Yeah, that's going to be the fun part. So we're going to get working really hard at thinking really hard Yeah, to figure out what we're going to do next week for you all. But until then, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. out.